new drive with Goodman and Fry. Presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Afternoon Drive. Goodman Fry. Watch us. MileEyeSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Fry at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. Terry, how was your weekend, my man? I'm, it was fun. I hung in there and uh, had a good time. Wow, and, it sounds thrilling. I wish I could have joined you with the enthusiasm. Nice barbecue. Voice. We went out, had a nice dinner. It was fun. Well, good. And by the way, uh, welcome to the eve of training camp, Eve. How many, I was thinking about this uh, right before the show music started. How many training camps have you covered? Well, it just depends on to what extent you. Like full coverage. I don't mean just showing up like three, four times over the course of the training. Maybe five. I've been in jobs, particularly at the sporting news, where I went from training camp to training camp. Gotcha. And was in places like glorious Fredonia, New York, which you you have sampled. I have. And so I've been to Austin for Cowboys camp. And so have I. Been around all over the place like that. Yeah. So it's been an enjoyable experience covering training camp, sitting down with players like Emmett Smith. Yep. Thurman Thomas. Yep. In the, in the lunchrooms and having doing interviews there. And as we talked about the other day, what I remember training camps for are the uh, vehicles for doing pretty good interviews with pretty good players. Yeah, I mean, you get them walking off the field. Uh, back in the day, you could talk to them in the lunchroom. I was thinking about it. This is my 21st training camp in full, meaning not showing up a couple of times. So from like 92 to 96, covered the Chiefs and the Bills, having to go to River Falls, Wisconsin, going to Fredonia, covering the Bears in two different spots. One was in Wisconsin. Can't even remember the name of it. Other one, I believe, was down in Bourbonnet. And then I think the last 13 training camps I've had have been with the Broncos. But you know, I am a veteran. There aren't many, many of us left. I'm a veteran of the Elway Watch in 1983. Which was what? Like second-by-second second coverage. I thank God that Twitter was not was not around then. It would have just been the immersed coverage of John Elway's rookie season. Mm. We had a thing called the, in the Denver Post, we had a thing called the Elway Watch. He had to do it every day. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know I'm thrilling you here. One day, one day we didn't, Jim Armstrong and I were on the beat that day, and we did not turn in an Elway Watch. Mm-hmm. And they called us and they said, why don't we have an Elway Watch? And I said, well, because nothing really happened. And we can't just make something up. And they said, well, we have to have an Elway Watch. So, I don't know if Jim remembers this. We did a kind of a takeoff, almost an onion type thing on John Elway's day. The number of spirals sure. per second. Right. All that. And it ran in the, we figured, well, we'd get a call and say, okay, you made your point. It ran in the newspaper word for word. I'm sure it did. The one thing, the one thing about training camp I'll never forget, and this one I was working in Chicago. So it's a top three market. And, and I never understood this. And maybe it's because I was younger in the business. I think I was about 30 when I got to Chicago, I never understood a bunch of the local television guys would schedule their tea times during practice. <laughs> no joke. I did they not know they would schedule their tea times during practice, and then they'd come back and do their live shots asking the producers what happened. 
And I'm standing out there as one of the few TV guys thinking, where the hell are you? How can you give any type of accurate report when bringing your clubs to training camp is as big of a priority as actually doing your job? So these guys, these were the guys who were your inspiration as you were just getting into the business? Nope. No, they weren't my inspiration. I mean, some of those guys. I'm kidding. So, well, no, but some of those guys were there when I was growing up. But when I looked at their work ethic, I'm thinking, you know what? You are the, you are the stereotypical TV guy. You know a little bit about everything, but a lot about nothing. And you're leaning on your producer to give you information when you don't want to stand out there like the rest of us to gather your own information and give your own opinions. And you're taking your opinions from your producer Mm -hmm. who is forced to sit out there, (laughs) who's hardly making any money at all. With that, time now for the lead. The lead is presented by Smoke and Dave's Barbecue and Brew, Colorado's best barbecue since 2007. Get some tonight in Denver, Longmont, Lions, and Estes Park. All right, the Broncos report to training camp tomorrow. It's going to be media day tomorrow, so we'll probably hear from George Payton, Nathaniel Hackett, more than likely Russell Wilson. First day of full practice is on Wednesday at 10 a.m. Days of two-a-days, long gone. Camp is shorter, far less full contact. Guys are rarely in pads. Only three exhibition games, and starters seem to play less and less every year. Of the Broncos' 14 training camp practices, three are supposed to go 90 minutes. One is scheduled for an hour and 45 minutes. Seven are scheduled to go for two hours. Three are scheduled to go for two hours and 30 minutes. Uh, In the new CBA, uh, the players didn't want as much training camp, meaning they're thinking we do OTAs, we do mini camps, we do voluntary camps, we do non-voluntary camps. Is this a good thing? Because back in the day, it was Oklahoma drills, two a days, so on and so. Forth. I have covered NFL training camps when they were two a day. Me too. Plus even three a day if me you too. count throwing at lunch. Yeah, me too. And it was just it was it was ridiculous to the extreme. And so for the most part, the answer is yes. It and is it, necessary. It, yeah, no, it's better. It's, this is better now. Yes. And in most and in most cases, one well, one of the reasons is that everybody else has to do the same things. So nobody's getting any competitive advantage by following the rules. We've seen that we've seen examples in football and college sports, especially where following the rules puts you at a disadvantage. But in this case, everybody's doing the same thing. And then also it's just smart. I, I don't understand how anybody can rebel against the idea that it's 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 better to to uh, preserve your commodities, so to speak. And I hate to talk about players like that, but that's, that's the smart thing to do. Now, I do think it takes an edge off some of, some of the cohesiveness, but that's, that's really worth it under these circumstances. Okay, let's put a couple things into perspective. Number one, and I'm not breaking any news here, back in the 1960s, 1970s, and I'm not suggesting it went into the 1980s. I mean, you covered the NFL in the late 1970s and in the 1980s. I started covering the NFL as a professional in 1992, although I got in the business in 1990. Back, back, back in the day, for these football players, it wasn't their full-time job. They went to training camp in order to get in shape. And they were selling insurance in the offseason. That's right. There were really no such thing as mini camps and voluntary camps or the quarterback bringing wide receivers to his compound in San Diego. There was none of that stuff. There probably wasn't as much access to 
workout facilities. There probably wasn't as much access to getting the playbook. Everything now is done on an iPad, right? So yeah. you, you can study your playbook sitting on your couch. Back then, you're funneling through papers. The technology has changed. The nutrition has changed. The workout regimen has changed. Everything has changed. These guys are working out far more today than they were with the concentrated, dense training camp that they had to deal with 40 years ago. Well, my answer was based on the premise that we're conceding their OTAs, mini camps, working out on your own, and all that. So when you isolate the actual training camp itself, then the, yeah, this is smart. And I also think this is a, a industry-wide phenomenon, don't you think? I mean, the hockey players, for example, are in so much better condition than they used to be when they used to. That was Glenn Hall saying he, he was going off to paint the barn in the offseason. Guys were actually executives at, at Honeywell or something like that. And, and I, th I really believe that it's become industry-wide. Don't, don't you think that's pretty much true in all sports, even baseball? Right. Right. Well, here, here's something else to consider. Here's something else to consider. Your first season covering the Broncos, do you remember what their preseason record was? Well, it was they might have played seven games. They they were four and two, and that's my point. They did play seven games, actually. My point is they played seven preseason games, and they played fourteen games. And it was only it seems a little out of whack, doesn't it? Well, it was, and it was only the major reason was to collect money to keep them in the season ticket packages. That was just a way to do it. And and there were so many more players in camp. There was a way to whittle down through seeing them on the field in exhibition games. But that was so minor that it was almost immaterial. With that, the only disadvantage, I think, for certain players, specifically undrafted guys, are fewer preseason games. There are only three. Um, I can't remember which game it was for Terrell Davis in Tokyo. Was that game two or game three? That's, Do you remember? No, I don't remember which one. It was early, though. It was early, though. So he made his mark in the preseason. On a special teams play. That's right. So for some guys, they won't get a chance to shine, right? They, they won't have as many opportunities to put stuff on tape, as they say, to either stay with the team that they're at or maybe go to a new team. You think so Phillip that is a disadvantage for them. You think Philip Lindsay would have even made the Broncos had he not been from Denver and the University of Colorado? He would have made... If would he have made the Broncos? Yeah, he was a media camp darling because he did go to but, CU. But that's why, though. It, well, here was the thing about Philip Lindsay. Okay, and I did obviously cover him during training camp. He stood out. You could tell his speed. Mm -hmm. You could tell that he wanted to run between the tackles. You can tell that he had an attitude just by talking to him and watching him on the field. If he played for the Buffalo Bills or if he played for another team. Would he have gotten the same attention when the media was around? Absolutely not. He wouldn't have. But you can see certain guys who are shining at a training camp. And if we're being completely honest, he was one of those guys. But sometimes we have training camp darlings, training camp phenoms, who once the lights come on in real games, whether it's an exhibition game or even if they stick around, we figure out early in the season that he was a lot. Uh, he was a training camp phenomenon he wasn't Lindsay was no, not no I'm not yeah, saying Lindsay was I'm not. not saying Lindsay right I'm saying there are guys yes that when that has happened in the past with guys like that no question they have turned out to be kind of almost virtual bus after the start of the season and in this case uh, and I, I talked about it and I've seen him many many times 
the undrafted college free agents are probably the guys who have right. the hardest time now. And the other thing is you can't, it isn't just that you can't go all out and practice. It's that if you do, you're a jerk. Right. You know what it's like if you see somebody out in the training camp practice who's who's really kind of trying to make himself get attention and draw draw uh, credit from the coaching staff. He's being a jerk. The other guys are going. He, He's being a Rudy Rudiger is yeah. what he is. And as it was said in the movie Rudy. Some parts, some parts of which were true. No, I know that. I know it's not 100% true. But my point is, as it was said in the movie, the reason why your career has been such a disappointment is because you don't practice like Rudiger. But for a lot of veterans, they will try. Don't get me wrong, but they don't want the guy playing hard every play. It's good if you want to put yourself on tape and impress the coaches, but you don't want guys laying out other guys in practice which some guys would like to to make a name for themselves, but you just can't do it. In line with that, I've seen it happen too, where assistant coaches are trying to be hard-ass, big-time coaches. There are some some assistant coaches, particularly, I will say it's it's pretty much gone now. But there were in the in the days of yore, there were assistant coaches who were trying to get their trying to make their mark, trying to get attention, trying to sure. be hard asses in training camp. And this is this is cut into that too. Right. All right. Coming up after the break, no news on Nazem Kadri. But here's the deal. Are the Avalanche truly trying to sign the wrong guy? Should they be looking at somebody else to bring on the roster who, by all reports, is available? I know the Avalanche have been interested in in the past, and he would certainly make the Avs considerably better. Who is he? That's next. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive, Goodman Fry. Watch us, MileEyeSports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at TFry at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. In the meantime, I want to tell you about Pinnacle Builders and my guy, Ed Goldinger. He has had a business for over 33 years. When it comes to remodeling, he is the best in the business by far. He does high-end basements, bathrooms, kitchens, custom counters, and cabinets. You can try and do it yourself, but I'll be honest with you, doing it like Ed, doing it like Pinnacle Builders is going to be tough to match. Being a DIY guy is great. Go with the pros. Go with the best. He buys the best product out there, including his wood from Rocky Mountain Forest Products, so you know he's getting wholesale, and he's going to pass it along to you as well. Plus, unlike most contractors, he's going to give you a two-year warranty. Most only give you one. My question is why? I'll go with somebody who gives me a longer warranty because that means he feels more confident about the work and the product that he is using on your home. Remodel today with Pinnacle Builders at PinnacleDen.com. That's PinnacleDen.com, the best in home remodeling. Time now for the buzz. 
The Buzz is presented by Mighty Plumbing and Heating. Why does Mighty Plumbing and Heating have over 600 five-star reviews? No one has better service, and they will meet or beat any written offer. Go to MightyPH.com. The start of NHL free agency is so far in my rearview mirror, I can't even remember when it was. Bottom line is this, Kadri was available day one, still hasn't signed with the team, and as the Avs wait to see what happens with him, Joe Sackick was reportedly interested in trading for Patrick Kane at the deadline. Kane is 33, Kadri is 32, and Kane is still performing at a high level. He has one year left on his deal. His cap hit, though, is 10.5. I'm guessing he's going to be looking for another deal after this upcoming season. And if you're the Avs, you have to think about that as well when you consider trading for this guy. And having him on the payroll, same as Nathan McKinnon. Right. After after this year. Now, is he essentially going to be a one-year rental that's going to make your team, if we're being completely honest, considerably better? So, you know, what has Kane done on a Blackhawks team that isn't very good? Played 78 games last year. Scored 26 goals, 66 assists, and still had 92 points. That's how good this guy is at his age. Is he better than Kadri? You better believe he oh, is. Oh, yeah, he is. But he also makes $10.5 million this year. So you're going to have to you're gonna have to do the same juggling you would do for Kadri to get Kadri up into the stratosphere where he wants to be. So who's worth it? Is Kadri worth it to, make, to juggle it? Or is Kane worth it? Knowing he might be a one-year rental, but knowing you could take Rantanen off that top line and just move him to center on the second one. I think right now they're looking at the alternative of Rantanen playing center. And I, because I think they're they going to have to do the same juggling with, and they're trying to do the same juggling with to make room for Kadri, and they'd have to make more room for Kane. They would at 10.5. However, uh, so it really comes down to how much better do you think he is than Nazem Kadri? A lot. And I'll say this first of all, Kadri's coming off a career year. He is coming off a career year. Yes. And Kane. A contract year that were cl- clearly entered into his part of his motivation. And Kane, There's nothing wrong with that. Kane is coming off another run-of-the-mill season for him. 26 goals and 66 assists. That's just another season for Patrick Kane. The question is, do you want to bring him in as a one-year rental? We have seen situations in the past with the Avalanche, and I don't want to compare, but I'll bring it up because there have been a lot of cases where it's worked out. Did not work out with Temu Solani. Did not work out with Theo Fleury. It actually did not work for for Paul Stastny when he came up to the he was his contract was coming up and he said I'll give you a hometown discount he ended up signing with St. Louis instead of the Avalanche extending him they should have extended him they should have extended Nazem Kadri during the season but I understand that there was so much going on that that maybe that's an understandable omission this is the parallel that I will make. And I would love to see Patrick Kane on this roster. What would it entail? Theo Fleury was actually probably the most famous flame out. Right. So l- l- let's look at what it would take to bring him in. They would have to trade Gerard and Comfort. That's yeah. what they would have to do. Are, are the a- are the Avs better off? I'm with- not even sure that would clear enough room. We'd have to do No, it absolutely would. It ha- because uh, they have $3.9 million of cap room right now. Right. And Comfort has, a one, has one year left on his deal, 3.5. And Gerard has a long-term deal five, of five million five per. Million. So yes, that that gets you over the hump if you want to do it. But I liken it to what we saw in the NBA many years ago. You had the Golden State Warriors who went after 
Kevin Durant, two years removed from winning a title, one year removed from getting to the finals. They've already they've already won a Stanley Cup title. They would be better with Kane, but do they need him as a one-year rental? I think they need to have some assurances, whether formally or informally, that he will he will end up coming back to, to Colorado after whether that means signing him to an extension. He's in the same situation as Nathan McKinnon is. But he's not going to make right McKinnon money, is he? Well, pretty not close. Twelve? No. Well, he's making ten and a half now. I understand that, but he, but at the age of thirty-four, when his deal is up, he's not coming anywhere close to twelve. And anybody? Oh, I don't, I don't know about that. Well, if somebody wants to give him twelve, knock yourself out for a thirty-four-year-old forward. Wait, go, but you're saying it. how good he is in one breath, and now you're saying, well, he's not worth the trouble. No, no, he is worth it. He is worth it at 10.5, certainly for one year. Would you rather have Kane or would you rather have Gerard and Comfer? I'd rather have Kane. I would too. But you have to you have to go through the financial machinations of knowing that you also will have to extend. You you will want you will be trying to extend Nathan McKinnon, but you also but that's easy. But you also you- want Kane to come in and be worth it. You want him to you want him to come in and prove that he's worth signing to an extension. Or either now or soon or down the road. This is why I don't think he signs an extension if he doesn't get the money he wants. He's already here. He's already won cups. He doesn't have that motivation. But he's getting ten and a half million dollars now. No, no, I understand that. I'm saying that when he signs his next contract, taking less won't be as appealing as winning a cup. He's already won a cup. He's won a couple. Several. That's under, my point. Under circumstances now that are that are uh, casting doubt on whether you should have been rooting for them or not. So with that, is it worth bringing him in for one year? That's a tough, that'd be a tough question. If I were Joe Sackick, I'd be sitting there weighing all these. I'd say, yeah, we, 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 we would be better, but I'm not sure in the long run it would be worth it. They wouldn't be better in the long run. They will lose him and they'll lose Gerard. That's what I'm and saying. Now, I'm saying he's, yeah. he's looking at that and saying in the yeah. long run, we would not be better. And he's, he's been known to be patient. Right. He's been known to, uh, to be pragmatic, he's been known to be ruthless. And I think as he looks at it, yes, he would answer the question affirmatively that they would be better temporarily. But to look down the road beyond him being a one-year rental, and they don't think they like that concept at all. Joe said several times in discussing unrestricted free agency, he didn't like the concept of rentals. And uh, Well, then there's your answer. But here, I'll, I'll throw this another way at you. Knowing it's going to cost you Gerard to bring Kadri back, it'll probably cost you Gerard. Would you would you rather give up Gerard and keep Kadri for another four or five years, or would you rather give up Gerard and Comfer, knowing you're probably going to have Kane for one? I'd rather just give up Gerard and keep Kadri. Yeah, so would I. So would I. And I think that's what's they're that, better with but, Kane. That, but I think that's what's in the works now. And I'm not saying. I'm not saying it's 100% going to happen, but as the time goes on and as, as we are, the void of news is rather pronounced. I think this is coming down to, to the Avalanche, the Islanders, and the, uh, and the Red Wings. Well, the Islanders certainly have the money to write a check. $11 boom, million. Dollars. That's right. I don't know what the Red Wings have. The Red Wings have $10.5 million. Well, here's the thing. Kadri has said he wants to go to a team that can contend. He's not getting that in Detroit. And you can make the case he's not really getting that with the Islanders. Right? Right. So, if he really wants to win a cup, then he takes less and less years. 
less money, less years, if that's indeed what he wants to do. Coming up after the break, Broncos started the Peyton, era, uh, Peyton Manning era in 2012 with a 2-3 and three record. They won 11 straight to finish out at 13-3. and three. Do you think with a new coaching staff, a new quarterback, there is a chance that we can see that happen again? That's our Rocky Mountain Forest product shout-out question. We'll talk about that next. That's okay. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive, Goodman and Fry. Watch us, mileisports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at tfry at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending. Presented by Silterhar Mazda. Get to Silterhar in Broomfield for a no-pressure buying experience at Silterhar Mazda. Or find them at sdhmazda.com. Okay, every Monday on the show, we do the Rocky Mountain Forest product shout-out question to our friends Ty, Calcade, and Evan from the Just Us Guys podcast. Here you go, fellas. The Broncos started the Peyton Manning era in 2012 with a 2-3 and three record before finishing with 11 straight wins and a 13-3 and three record. Do you think with a new QB, new coaching staff, uh, if the Broncos get off to a slow start again, do you look at it as, well, that's what happened with Manning, or you're really concerned? There, there is cause for concern, but I think in this case, the fact that Russell Wilson is 100% healthy He's not coming in with like, as Peyton Manning was with net, net, multiple neck and spine surgeries. I think that, that the chances of them falling completely on their face out of the gate are pretty slim, in my opinion, despite the new coaching staff, despite the new system. And you know, I realize I'm sitting here, I, I believe they're going to be eight and nine, so I don't think it's going to be a great run all year, but I do think they're going to get off to a decent start. This is what people forget about the 2012 season. And when I tell you this, you're going to be like, wow. We forgot how questionable Manning was. It's not even about Manning. It's not even about Manning. Honestly, they beat Pittsburgh to start the season, lost to Atlanta, lost to Houston, beat the Oakland Raiders at the time, and lost to the Patriots. Okay? The Atlanta Falcons that season finished with a 13-3 and record. The Texans finished with a 12-4 and record and the Patriots finished with a 12-4 and record. They lost to some pretty good teams to start the season in Peyton Manning's first go-around. When you look at the schedule this season, they should beat Seattle. They should beat Houston. But could they start 2-3? and three? You betcha. San Francisco's going to be a really good team this year with a great defense. We'll see how Trey Lance plays. Vegas, they're at Vegas with Devontae Adams and a loaded team with skilled position players offensive line isn't very good and neither is their secondary and then they go play indianapolis with matt ryan who i think has a chance to be the mvp of the league and have a resurgence there because they have a great offensive line and jonathan taylor 
So if they start two and three, those will be the three losses, and you can't look at those three losses and say they should have won because those three teams are supposed to be pretty good. Guys, what do you think? Do you think there'll be widespread panic, though, if they go two and three out of the gate? Absolutely there will be. Of course there will among be. Among the media, among the fans, among everyone? Amongst everyone. Among us? Amongst everyone. Among you're, you? You're starting two and three, but let's look at the competition, okay? If you're losing to Seattle to start the season, then there's a real reason to be concerned. You should not lose to Houston either mm-hmm. in your home opener. But San Francisco is expected to be a good team. Vegas, I think, has a chance. If Josh McDaniels has changed with who he is, and by all accounts, people I've talked to in Vegas, he's not the same guy. He's a brilliant offensive mind. People may disagree with me. His offensive mind is just as good, if not better, than Kyle Shanahan. Period. You want to argue that with me? 303-831-1340. And then you have the Indianapolis Colts, who are going to contend to win their own division. Let's see how those games play out as well. But it's very conceivable they start the season with a 2-3 and three record, but it'll be different. Maybe. Because I don't think Vegas will go 13-3. and three. I don't think Indy's going to go 12-4. and four. They might. San Francisco, they might be a 10-11 win team, but they might be good teams this year. Maybe. But if you're touting the Broncos as a potential threat in the AFC West, right. they've got to be good teams. I mean, I agree. You can't just like go pick and choose a among softies or cupcakes off the schedule and play them, you got to beat the good teams you play. So, I mean, in that sense, they, they can't go two and three and be legitimate because we're, we've been saying, well, they're title threats or title threats. Well, they have to beat those teams to be title. You are right. And by the way, I don't mean to scare you. They could start two and four. You know, they play in their next game. No, the chargers at SoFi. Now I understand it'll be a home field advantage for the Broncos. So what do they have? They have a guy who, in San Francisco, they believe can be a pretty good quarterback in Trey Lance, right? Then they go play Derek Carr on the road, who, at least statistically, top 10 quarterback. Matt Ryan, let's see what he does with a new team. It's going to be tough to slow down Jonathan Taylor in that offensive line. They're a bunch of bullies. And then you have to go face um, Justin Herbert. So could they be 3-3? and If they're four and two, you look at them and say they beat some good teams. Is there reason for concern if they start two and three, two and four? Of course, two and four, three and three. Then you start to question it. But then again, the following two weeks at home against the Jets, at home against Jacksonville. And Tennessee is after the bye week. So hopefully the bye week helps them. But Tennessee is not going to be the same team without A.J. Brown. But tough schedule notwithstanding in the 2012 season. Th- th- this really comes back in my mind to the idea that we re- we really didn't know if Peyton Manning was going to be able to play. That's true. And, and by, by play, I mean, yeah, he physically was going to get out there. But whether he could play right. the, the Peyton Manning game that we knew he could deliver if he was healthy. Well, he delivered against the Chargers when they were down 24 nothing and had a thrilling comeback. And that's when people thought maybe Peyton Manning is the Peyton Manning of old. But are, is anybody now saying, and I, this is a serious question, is anybody now saying, well, we, we need to find out if Russell Wilson is the same Russell Wilson? No, because Russell Wilson, um, Russell Wilson, by the way, I think if I read it correctly, I think like over the last five years, six years, seven years, 
He's had the most games of any quarterback in the NFL with over 100-plus passer rating of any quarterback mm-hmm. in the league. That includes Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, whoever. He has the, And he has the most wins of any quarterback as well over a certain stretch, like through his first, I don't know, 100 games, 50 games, whatever the hell it is. It's not out of line to be at least a little skeptical, at least raise the issue of maybe he... Maybe he will not be the hundred percent Russell Wilson we've seen in the past. I think he absolutely will be. I've, I, I don't think it, I don't think it's out of line to raise that possibility. No, no, I, I I think it's fair to raise it. But Russell Wilson hasn't shown any sign, honestly, of slowing down. I mean, he if we're being completely honest, mm-hmm. he has had some. He's had a pair of pretty good wide receivers. When he was when he was in Seattle, in a bad offensive line, but he had a bad offensive line. Do I think the Broncos' offensive line is better than Seattle's? <laughs> I do. Really? I do. I mean, think about this for a second. For Russell Wilson, played fourteen games last year, twenty-five touchdowns, six interceptions. We talk about touchdown interception mm-hmm. ratio. That's four to one. This is four to one. Yeah. Right. And the season before, forty touchdowns, thirteen interceptions. Quarterback rating of those two seasons combined, one hundred four. I mean, when you look at his last one, two, three, four seasons, his quarterback rating in order, starting in 2018, 111, 106, 105, 103. Still pretty high level. The only problem for Russell Wilson is he takes too many sacks. And a lot of that is on him. What I am hoping to see is this. When Matt LaFleur got to Green Bay, he convinced Aaron Rodgers, that he didn't always have to go for the home run ball. Mm-hmm. And eventually Aaron Rodgers agreed, okay, I'll check down. I'll always take a profit. I'll always take a profit. I will still look for the deep ball, but I'll always take a profit. Profit. Nathaniel Hackett was part of that mm-hmm. metamorphosis for Aaron Rodgers. Hopefully he will be part of that metamorphosis for Russell Wilson. And I think he will be even more effective if he listens to his head coach that he likes to go see Ed Sheeran concerts at with, <laughs> in Wembley Stadium. And I think we all know, though, there are going to be other issues involved in determining whether the Broncos are going to be for real divisional threats. And right. So it, it, it's, got, it's going to be more than Russell Wilson. But I think Russell Wilson, I think pretty, we're pretty much assured that he's healthy yep. and he's not falling apart. Right. And that he's... Uh, he is capable of being the centerpiece and leading them this leading is, them to a better season. This is how healthy Russell Wilson is. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. He's going into his eleventh season. How many games has he missed in the last ten seasons? I don't know. Two. What were they for? Do you remember? It was the last season. He's missed two seasons. He's two games in his last ten seasons. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's not bad. No. So I'm not worried about his health. What do we have coming up on Mountain High Appliance, just in case you missed it? The Nets and Celtics have entered trade discussions for Kevin Durant, and this MLB All-Star can't play in their series in Toronto due to his COVID-19 vaccination status. That's coming up next on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry on Mile High Sports. Colorado's favorite appliance store for 25 years in Louisville. Colorado Springs, and now open in their new store in Littleton. Go to mountainhighappliance.com. 
just in case you missed it, uh, the Nets and Celtics have entered trade discussions for Kevin Durant. The Celtics offered Jalen Brown, Derek White, and a draft pick to the Nets for Durant, uh, but the proposal was rejected, and Brooklyn has asked Boston in any type of proposal to include Jalen Brown, the Defensive Player of the Year, Marcus Smart, in draft picks, and also potentially one more rotation player. Uh, any chance Durant lands in Boston? No. Why would you even want to give up Jalen Brown? I don't understand that at all. Well, Kevin Durant's a better player, but giving up him and Smart and another rotational player and then a whole bunch of draft picks, Danny Ainge did a brilliant job in Utah collecting a whole mess of draft picks, specifically first-rounders. And now that has set the market for any team that will be trading a star like Kevin Durant because that will be the expectation. He fleeced him Conley. Well, we'll see. We'll see how those draft picks turn out. And we'll see how, you know, the big Green guy, l- l- we'll see how the big guy plays in um, in Minnesota. I, 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 it's too early to me to say they've been fleeced. Let's see how the draft picks pan out. But it was interesting to see that the Celtics were willing to give up Derek White, who's from Parker. Why? Is he an all-star I'm I not said, familiar I, with? No, I just said it's interesting that they were... Because well, he's from here. He's a good player. He went to the University of Colorado. Yeah. He's, he went to CU Colorado Springs. Yeah. He, I'm saying it's interesting oh. because I like to watch local players. Oh. Well, here. I'll ask you this. When the Nordiques and the Flyers traded for Eric Lindros, did you say at the time the Flyers got fleeced? I honestly don't remember. Remember that was not here. That. The NHL right. was not here at the time. Well, you were covering hockey. Cu- no, well, you no covering I was hockey. not then, no. You were not? No. Oh, I thought you were. I was covering the, N- the NFL at that time. Okay. With that, um, I think it's too early to say which team got fleeced, but we know that Utah has far more opportunities to make good on trading him. Fair enough. The St. Louis Cardinals will be without two of their all-star infielders, Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt, for the two-game series against the Blue Jays in Toronto because of Canada's COVID-19 vaccination rules. Uh, recently, Arenado said, I don't want to win the wild card anymore. Obviously, you get to the playoffs, it is great. If we get in, great, but you want to win the division. Uh, it is important to win the division. I've never won it. I would like to be a part of that. What do you uh, make of those comments and his decision not to get vaccinated? Well, I'm wondering if the Rockies will have will not have to pay him for the next few games. Maybe. Here's the thing. I don't want to go down the road of vaccination and stuff like that. If that's what he wants to do, that's what he wants to do. Look what look what Kyrie Irving... As long as he's willing to give up the money. Kyrie Irving basically destroyed the net season because he didn't want to get it. If you don't want to get it, don't get it. Understand there are going to be repercussions. You're going to be criticized. You're playing a team game. If you're playing golf... If you're playing tennis, you're not going to get criticized because it's all on you. But the thing about Arenado is I understand why he wanted out of Colorado. I get it. He has joined one of the best baseball franchises in baseball history. They are 12th in payroll right now. They make good decisions. And maybe the Brewers are better than them right now, even though they have a lower payroll. The St. Louis Cardinals are an excellent baseball organization. If you really want to, and I said this to Nolan, and I'm kind of half joking when I say this, when you're a baseball player, you're considered to be great when you do your job at the plate 30% of the time. You hit 300. You know what? 
be great 40% of the time and hit 400. <laughs> That's my answer. And he's a terrific fielder. And he's hitting for power. And he's a damn good player. And he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. But you're only as good as the players around you. And it's not like St. Louis doesn't spend. It's not like that they don't have a good farm system. Or there's only one division winner. He did not win a division here. And the Rockies have never won a division. He's one player out of a lot. That's it. And you know what? They want to get Soto. So maybe they'll go get Soto. And maybe that'll be a, that'll be the difference for them. But then again, Washington is going to want a ton in return. A current NFL defensive coordinator said this about Lamar Jackson. If he has to pass to win the game, they ain't winning the game. He's so unique as an athlete, and he's a really good football player. But I don't care if he wins the league MVP 12 times. I don't think he'll ever be a one as a quarterback. He'll be one as a football player, but not as a quarterback. Do you see this quote as ignorant or accurate? I don't quite get the distinction because you can be both and be a great quarterback. Well, what he means is he won't be considered the number one quarterback in the league. But he was also talking about how he he lacks like the the, the uh, throwing ability. Well, listen. At the end of the day, he's not, he's a thrower and a runner. Yes, he is. I, I mean, I had this. He was the best player in the league two years ago. Two years ago, he put up the greatest statistical numbers of a quarterback I've ever seen, and I'm including passing and running. But at the end of the day, as a pure pocket passer. He will never be seen as one of he'll never be seen like a Patrick Mahomes or a Manning or Brady. And, Doesn't mean he can't win, but he'll never be seen as one of those guys. By the way, who said that? It was a current anonymous NFL defensive. So what's his name? What's his name? He didn't put it out there. Oh, he didn't put it out there. Why would he put his name out there? Well, well because it takes a lot of guts to say something anonymously. Well, but people tell the truth when they speak anonymously. That's the difference. And most people lie when they're on the record. Right, it still takes more guts to say it with your name attached to it. I'd rather I'd rather have somebody show no guts than a guy lie to me. Okay, would you? You want somebody to lie to you no. on the podium? No. Like Lou Holtz when they played the Sisters, of the poor, they're really good. They're really they good. they give scholarships too. Right, and Joe Paterno would say the same thing. Oh man, S- sister, Rutgers, Ma- sister, Mary, Rutgers. the poor, they're really, really good. I'd rather have somebody tell me the truth anonymously than lie to me, lie to my face. On the but, but it's godless to take shots at people when you won't put your name attached to them. That's Period. that's not an unfair statement. That was Mountain High Appliance. Just in case you missed it, you can walk into any store, try out the appliances before you buy them. You can't do that at the big box stores, not to mention. It's your sales staff that can help you design an entire kitchen, get you something to fit your budget. Mountain High Appliance. You can find them in Louisville, Littleton. You can also find their clearance center in Denver. Coming up after the break, Nathaniel Hackett. Man, he's... He wants to be one of the guys. He wants to be one of the boys. He's traveled with Russell Wilson. He's palling around with a lot of the guys at camp, slapping them on the ass. He's, you know, playing running back at times and maybe running a couple of routes. He's a likable guy. But can that last throughout an entire season? Is it a good thing? Or is it a bad thing? That's next. Did someone? 